Hey guys, we've got to that point in the show where we need to start depending on listeners like you to help keep this thing going. What are we, fucking PBS? Oh yeah, you know it. I'm LeVar Burton. I wanted to be LeVar. Fuck. All right. I caught it first. Yeah, I'm hosting we... Jeopardy. <laughs> are you though? Listen guys, we, we need your help uh, to help keep the lights on as they say. Uh, we are launching our Patreon for Masters of the Cinematic Universe. Yes. Yes. And we have uh, different tiers that you can sign up for and pledge to, just like PBS. Um, you get some different real cool gifts and prizes and merch, uh, depending on the tier that you sign up for. Oh, we got all the tiers. Oh, yeah. You Back. can either be a friend it, of the show, a oh. friend with benefits. Ooh. We just we could start to get serious, or you could just put a ring on it already. Yeah. Ooh, damn. And if you uh, if you exceed that amount, uh, you know we'll send you some not safe for work picks if, if you want. <laughs> it's not safe for your eyes picks in my case, but <laughs> not safe for anything right. picks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, guys, check out uh, patreoncom motcu. Uh, take a look at well, all the different tiers that we're offering. Lots of cool. Uh, swag coming your way from stickers to t-shirts to getting to pick the film that we uh, talk about. Yeah. The yeah. tears started at a dollar. A dollar a month. Come on, what? folks. That's it? Yep. One buck to get in on that on that number one tier. And All with right. that, you even get the live chat with us anytime you want, as well as a shout out on every episode. Right. So, come on. That's less than a cup of coffee a month. Jesus, what a steal. Yeah, guys, right? check it out. Again, patreon.com slash M-O-T-C-U. And then enjoy this week's movie. All right, we are back, folks. Uh, so the clip we just finished up with at the end of that clip, uh, General Monroe uh, tells the president that a monochuan chip chip is... Uh, you know, requesting uh, entry into their system. Um, presumably, they've got the four stones and the supreme being on board, uh, so that we can now protect ourselves. They've they obviously promised that uh, from the start. So it looks like they're holding up there into the bargain. Uh, we then cut to a scene of that ship entering, um, you know, our solar system. And they're close to Earth when they get attacked by a couple of Mangalorean fighters. So we're going to come to know and love or not love these Mangalore. You know what um, they kind of remind me of? The fucking mongrel thing from Donnie Darko. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, like the bulldog guy? Yeah, the mongrel, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're a fucked up, they're a fucked up race. They're ugly. Um <laughs> And they're violent and not bright, but, you know, a lot of times not bright and violent can actually get you pretty far. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we've seen that. We'll leave that alone. But um, so, yeah, so they attack this uh, Mondo Shuin chip. chip, Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm getting stuck now. (laughs) Ship. And it crashes onto the moon. Um, This is devastating news to uh, to. Vito um, Cornelius, because at this point he thinks the stones are gone, the being is gone, and we're fucked. Bottom line, I mean that's that's what he's worried about. Um, we now get a quick meet with our uh, antagonist, our earthly antagonist. I call him in my notes because you know we've got 
a sort of a, a bigger um, level villain that we've got to deal with on that sphere. But um, on Earth, uh, we meet Mr. John Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. Uh, we don't know his full name yet, but he's Zorg of Zorg Industries. Um, he gets a call from the Mangalore attack team that blew up the ship, uh, letting him know that mission accomplished and he'll have his goods shortly. Uh, this pleases him very much. Um, we're quickly back to the Federated uh, offices. And the president, you know, he's listened to what, uh, you know, Father Vito has said and is kind of done with it for whatever reason. Um, he's going to, you know, it's a military operation, so he wants him out. So he sort of gets him and shoes him out. Um, we see General Monroe. Uh, he lets the, the, the president know that there was one crash survivor. Now, General Monroe, Monroe is played by um, Brian James. Growing up, because he he's passed away also, um, he was always a great, like, bad guy or tough guy in all the movies I watched, like, in the 80s and shit. Um, he's best known for his role in Blade Runner. He was one of the replicants. So he's one of Rutger Hauer's, like, sidekicks or henchmen. Um and he, he was so good in that small role. And he was also in 48 Hours as one of the cops and everything. Um, real cool dude. I, I just loved what he did. Um, so, yeah, he lets the president know that there was one crash survivor. Um, we now move to what's called a place called Nuclear Lab in New York City. Um, we see a hand, that, the hand that Joe referenced earlier. We see a hand with some bone and flesh sticking out of the back of it. Um, being transported in a glass case down a hall. Um, this is the survivor that Monroe referenced. Um, the scientist there, he explains that the DNA from the hand is very, very complex, much more complex than human DNA. Um, so he and Monroe are walking down the hall. They take that hand and they place it in the regeneration chamber, which is going to basically create, you know, the being that this hand came from. Um, so... You know, the scientist then, again, as it starts, he's like, he's describing the, uh, you know, what's going on to, to General Monroe. And he says, you know, the cell, for lack, lack of a better word, is perfect. <laughs> I love Monroe's response. He goes, okay, but Mr. Perfect better be polite or I'm going to turn him into cat food. Because <laughs> he's, a, he's a military guy, man. He's no nonsense. You know, you're either going to play his game or you're gone, right? Um, the regeneration sequence... It's so cool. Um, it, you know, it's a kind of dated, but not really. But just the, the fact that they, they show that, you know, they're basically like in a butcher shop. They're taking slices of skull and brain and like stacking them on top of each other. It's like the precursor to 3D printing today, you know, with, with a body. And, um, you know, the, 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 the skeleton is created and then this loop goes around the body and lays out the muscle and the, and the nerves and the blood vessels yeah. and everything. Kind of reminded me like of a 90s version of the Westworld intro. Yes, exactly. Y you know, it's, it's, and who knows, maybe that's a nod to this in a, in a small way as far, but you're right, it's a very similar construction. It's obviously a lot more smooth and slick in, in Westworld, but you're right, Joe. That, I, I didn't think of that, but that's that's accurate. Yeah, when I was watching this, all um, I was like, dig it in, dig it in, dig it in. Yeah, I know. I know. I fucking love the Westworld theme song. I'm not gonna oh, the Westworld theme? Yeah. It's so, it's so good awesome. that that short-lived NBC show, Debris, copied it almost note for note. Well, it's, um, <laughs> it's, Ramin, it's Ramin Jawadi who also did uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. All right. It makes sense. 
Um, so yeah, so this this that sequence is really cool. Um, the scientist says that they have to now bombard the body with you know solar radiation to get the skin to grow. Uh, so they close the shield and they do that. Um, when they slide the shield back, we get our first view of the film's hero. So not even a protagonist. She's the hero. Um, heroine. Her f- heroine. Nah, I, I don't go for that. It's 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 a, he- a hero's a hero. Um, anyway, but I agree. Yes, heroine. Um, so <laughs> we know we're gonna know her as Lilu, right? But and and I'm gonna try to do her full name, which we'll also hear her do later. But it's it's Lilo Minai, Lekatariba Lamina Chai, Ekbat Disabat. Wow. And she says it a lot faster than I ever could. And it's almost it's sort of like the <laughs> it's sort of like the Shiva trophy in uh, the league. If you watch Shiva, the league, on, her full name. I'm gonna go do exactly. a Shiva blast outside. <laughs> Yeah, her her name is a, is a little more truncated, but it's long like that. So yeah, so um, we get our first view of Lilo. Um, she's naked, <laughs> you know, um, and you know. So the scientists they 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 you know say yeah they're gonna put the uh, thermal bandages on her, strategically placed straps to cover her parts, um, and you know that doesn't leave much to the imagination. Um, it's kind of funny. Yeah, and they, uh, Lilo, there was a lot of uh, of uh, nipping going on in this movie. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, yeah, it's all good. Um, so Lilo awakens and she is like obviously freaked out. You know, she starts thrashing around in this tube uh, trying to get out. Um, you know, she's frightened by what she's seeing because she's never seen any of this before. She just got created. Uh, Mila Jovovich does a fantastic job um, as Lilu. She's so good. Um, I read some trivia that she beat out three thousand people for this role. I think that's a Holy whole load shit. of bullshit. They didn't. They didn't fucking audition three thousand people for one role. Please, okay? There's no fucking way. Uh, they might have looked at three thousand pictures just to kill some time. You know, the casting director might have been a union person and said, "All right, I got to spend eight hours on this." But in any case. We're all glad that they picked her because she nailed this thing. Um, she's thrashing around in there. Um, you know, Monroe, he walks up. Uh, well, what happens is she, yeah, she's thrashing around and she starts speaking this un- unknown language. Nobody knows what this language is. She's rambling on in this. Um, cool thing is that was created by Luke Besson. There's about 400 words in that language, and he and Mila Jovovich would communicate in this language to practice. And she actually added a lot of the words and dialect because she speaks like four languages. Um, they would send emails to each other in the language and letters and shit just to get, you know, to get her used to it. Um, she's speaking this language, and, you know, Monroe and his, you know, brutish <laughs> humor. He just lets her know that, you know, if, if you if you want out of there, you got to improve your communication skills. And he's sort of like mocking her. And she looks at him. Her response to this, she looks at him and she growls like a fucking big cat and just punches her way right through the like glass. Alligator she, Loki. Yes, exactly. You know, she's not you not she's not fucking around. She hits him square in his stomach. And, you know, for a second, I the first time I saw it, I thought he was dead. I thought she punched right through him. Um, but. He gets knocked out. Um, she gets out of the container, and she's almost like RoboCop in this shit. Like she's scoping every person in that room 
and assessing threat levels, you know, on a, on a, in a, on a speed that's not human. Um, she turns around and run, runs towards a wall and just dives through, breaks through the wall to, to, to escape. Um, that scientist is only comment to this is he whispers like almost lovingly just as perfect because she's the perfect being um so at this point the police are in pursuit uh in the building looking for lilu um their uniforms their outfits are hysterical because they're glorious of the police from idiocracy yeah they're so impractical (laughs) it's like not fucking funny it's ridiculous the big glowing light that sort of doesn't offer any light but it's there i just wanted to and be in the, the end tunnel are you the particular individual yeah exactly exactly um so yeah it's just it's funny it i it just adds to the style of this movie I, it does not i have no negative comments about it i think it's glorious but it's just it's just so impractical um they track her down to the ventilation shafts in the building um really cool scene so the police confront her and she steps outside of the ventilation shaft onto, you know, a ledge on this building. that's you know, 300 stories high. Um, it's cool the way she played this Mila Jovovich played this because she is, she's frightened, but she's also so casual about the whole thing. She's walking on the ledge, like it's a stroll in the park. So we know she's not afraid of heights. She knows, you know, her capabilities. Um, the sights and the sounds are kind of freaking her out, but she's still in control of herself. And then, you know, a police cruiser pulls up to confront her and her, you know, immediate thought is, all right, I'm diving off. That's it. Yep. Uh, she does a swan dive. You know, she doesn't fall. She doesn't. Tw- she does a swan dive. She's prepared to do this. Um, so now we cut to Corbin Dallas's cab and he's just tooling along, minding his own business. And Lilu comes crashing through the roof into the backseat, um, obviously scares the shit out of him. Computer starts telling him he's in an accident. He's telling the computer to fuck off. <laughs> he's lost points on his license already now. and It's just a shitty thing. Uh, he gains control and he pulls over uh, to assess the damage. And that's when he notices Lilu in the back seat. And you can tell in that first instant he's smitten. Like he sees her and there is a connection that he doesn't even understand yet. And it's not quite there on her side yet, but it's to happen soon. But he is completely smitten with her. Um, yeah, I feel like this she, is like. So Doug, I have a little bit of trivia on this on this Ooh, scene cool, here. Please. The first of which is uh, just a fun fact: the language that she's speaking, because I assumed it was just all bullshit that she was making up. Yeah. The director invented a language with 400 words in it and made her learn it. No shit. So she's <laughs> she's actually, which seems yeah. like a lot of effort, but she's actually saying stuff. And they didn't tell Bruce Willis that she was going to do this. So look <laughs> on his face when she starts going. Right. He's he's genuinely like, what the that's fuck is Bruce. happening? That's right Bruce. That's not da- that's not Corbin. That's so cool. That is excellent. I love when they do stuff yeah. like that. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of ad libs in this movie, and and I, oh, I dig that a lot. So um, so yeah, so she starts rambling. She basically what she's doing is she's telling the story of her escape. She's telling the story of her creation and escape to him in her language. So she's being very descriptive. The hands are going all over the place. He doesn't understand a fucking word she says until the end. When she describes her fall into the cab as bada boom, big bada boom, bada big boom. And, you know, Corbin gets it. He goes bada boom. And then that's their moment. 
That's the moment when they both totally vibe on each other. Like she gets it too, that there's something going, there's something special here. Um, Cause they have a good laugh about it, which I thought was cool. Um, so of course the, the police are still looking for us so that, you know, the cop car pulls up next to his cab and instructs him to, you know, give her up, basically open the door and, you know, give her up. Are, are you housing um, the particular individual? Yeah, exactly. The Carl's yes. Jr. has deemed you an unfit mother. Yes. Well, it, ma- it makes sense because she's not in the system either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hold on. So. In my mind, this movie is canon to Idiocracy and it takes place 200 years before Idiocracy. So shit hasn't fully fallen apart yet. Oh, yeah. I we're, we're still in like, the Futruckers era. Yeah. I, and I bet you if you talk to my judge, he'd probably, he'd probably admit it. I completely agree with like, you. Like, I would love it. Like, nothing would make me happier if, like, in one scene we see, like, a um, like a coffin, like, sitting there. Like, the coffin from Idiocracy just sitting there, <laughs> like, yeah. waiting to be well, opened hey, in 200 years. They even, have, they even have a garbage problem at the spaceport later in the movie. I'm, I'm telling you, this, like... So, Ooh, I was getting serious idiocracy vibes of this movie today. So it's either it's either idiocracy canon or Mike Judge is going to get a C and D soon, <laughs> <laughs> or, or got one and never told anybody. Um, <laughs> so the cop asks her, and, and and you know again, Corbin's life is sort of in the shitter, so he's ready to comply. He doesn't want to. He feels bad. He doesn't want to, but he's complying because he's like ready to lose his job. That he's going to have no points on his license left. You know, they ask him to open the passenger door. He does. They connect on with the grappling thing, you know, the the cable to get her. And then she starts, she gets him. She got me. I'm fucking crying. You know, I'm shedding a tear from this because of the way she played this. Lilu starts crying and she looks around and there's an advertisement of a little kid and it says, please help. So she starts reading it and in her broken English just keeps repeating, please help, please help. And Corbin says, fuck it. He, he just throws you know, the throttle forward and throws the steering wheel forward and dives that cab, rips the, 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 uh, the tow cable right out of the police car uh, and takes off. Um, so now they're on the run. The police are chasing them. Um, they at one point get confronted by six police vehicles that shoot the shit out of his car, but he tips it sideways and they sort of survive that, which is cool. He's got a jammer because of his special forces days. He's got a jammer that, that hides the identity of the cab and things. So he manages to get away, realizes that their only way to escape is to dive to the very bottom of all these buildings because there's really nothing down there anymore. Um, and, and it's all foggy and dirty and soupy. So he goes down there to hide with her. Um, it's there we get our first glimpse when he looks in the back seat. We see her arm. We get a quick glimpse of her tattoo. Um, the tattoo that designates her as the fifth element, the supreme being. Um, she wakes up for a second and she begs him to take her to Vito Cornelius. It's um, a ha- it's a hatchet man, right? Yeah. The what? <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and the five elements are the different flavors of fan. Uh, not Fanta. What's it? Um, Fago. <laughs> yes. So. Um, yeah, so she begs him to take him to Vito Cornelius. And then you want to say Corleone, don't you? I, I, dude, in my handwritten notes, I didn't call him Vito. I called him Don because I kept thinking Don Corleone. I'm not kidding you. My handwritten it, notes say Don everywhere. Every time I see it, I want to say Vito Corleone. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm having the same problem. Um, 
So we now hop over to uh, Vito's apartment, and uh, Corbin brings you know Lilo over, knocks on the door. He makes a you know Vito makes a quick joke about no um, weddings are two floors up or whatever. Or you mean you mean Ian Holm Kenobi? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he did, he does very much look like him. Uh, so he brings Lilo in, and um, Vito sees her tattoo. Corbin references the tattoo. He looks at it, and he just exclaims, "The Fifth Element!" And then he passes out. Yep. <laughs> because he's just completely, you know, he, he's taken aback by this whole thing. Uh, Corbin wakes him up, and he explains he explains to Corbin that the language he was speaking um, is the divine slash ancient language. It's you know the, the language of the elders, the guardians. Um, so why don't you roll a clip, please, Joe? I was wrong to kiss you. Seno Akhtagamat! You might remember me from the cab. Remember? Bada boom. Big bada boom. Boom? Boom. Big bada boom in the cab here. Look, I we drive a cab. This is me. Corbin Dallas. Corbin. You understand? Here. You take it. Go ahead. You can call me when you learn how to speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just kidding. Kidding. And you, uh, what is your name? You. Corbin? Good. That, that whole thing's your name, huh? Do you have a, uh, a shorter name? Not yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. Short. Yeah, so in that in that clip, uh the beginning of the clip. Uh, Corbin, for whatever reason, uh, you know, Lilo's passed out on the on the couch. He decides to kiss her, yeah, which really is creepy. a little nuts. Um, it's a little creepy, um, but you know, and she doesn't take kindly to that. Um, he he comes up and she's got a gun to his head, <laughs> and she's talking in her language <laughs> to him, um, and and telling him off. But you know, as you hear, they hash out the name thing, and that just that's another notch in the connection between the two of them once they get the names going and that's where Lilu says her whole name which i'll never try to say again and um then you know he he asked for a shortened one and her name is Lilu. uh so they definitely connect there um vito re-enters the room and now he's like ultra obi-wan because he's in his robes with, with all the <laughs> elements on him and stuff and Lilu is very relieved to see him um because you know she was brought in he unconscious so this is her first view of Vito, and she knows it's him. So, you know, there's, her hope is back. Um, so <laughs> Vito now wants to get rid of Corbin. 
because he's got his mission. Corbin doesn't understand it. He doesn't even know what it is, let alone understand it. Um, so he wants Corbin gone. So he quickly escorts him to the door. And Corbin asks on the way out, you know, what does ectogamut mean? And, uh, and Vito lets him know, not without my permission. So now, you know, yeah, Lilo might be new to the world, but she ain't taking shit. <laughs> yeah, I guess, she laid it right I mean, out for him. A lot of people okay. make it out to be where she's like some kind of like child mind thing. She's not. She's fucking no. smart. No, she's just catching up. That's the only thing. She's yeah. fully, fully ready, but it's it's the actual knowledge of events that she has to catch up on. Yeah, I mean, she's, otherwise, she's strong enough to fucking stop anybody from doing anything. No, exactly. And she no, she understands the boundaries. She understands everything about about that. She just got to catch up on the knowledge and the thing, the fact and the thing. So, um, yeah. So, you know, he realizes even, you know, not even counting the whole gun to the head thing. He realizes what an idiot he was for doing that. Um, so he is now back in his apartment. Corbin is he's speaking with his boss again we find out his boss's name is fingers um we also find out that his boss was his commander in in the military um they're chatting basically he asked him how his day went and and Corbin starts you know waxing poetic about he's met the perfect girl which is what he's wanted to do so he's fallen for Lilo you know hook line and sinker um, we're back in Vito's apartment. Lilu is using a computer to catch up on the last 5,000 years of civilization. Um, she's also eating a lot of food, man. She's like got a whole turkey there and all sorts of stuff on top of it. And she's just devouring it all. I guess her metabolism is pretty high. Um, Vito asks her about the stones and she very lightly and loosely just, you know, informs him that they were stolen. Um, this freaks him out. Um, we jump to the Zorg factory and just, I guess, this scene was in there to reinforce how ruthless uh, Zorg is. He's approached by his assistant who lets him know that, you know, the government is asking him to lay off uh, 500,000 people from his organizations in order to keep the economy from getting too strong. Um, he looks at the assistant and he goes, no, make it a million. So he, he's willing to lay off a million just to be a prick. Um, and then, you know, we cut away from that. So, I mean, that's just a little quick scene. Um, we're now back in Vito's apartment and we meet Vito's assistant, David. Um, his name is Charlie Creed Miles, the actor. He, the only thing I know him from is Peaky Blinders. Um, but yeah, he's a British actor. He does a lot of stuff over there. Um, he brings Lilu some clothes and she is <laughs> loving it. And I love, cause she's still learning the English. She doesn't know how to say thank you. So she goes, thank you. <laughs> It's like hard to even understand what she's saying, but that's that was her way of saying thank you. She's trying. Um, at, it's at that point that that you know Vito's stewing over the stones being stolen, and um, he remembers you know being visited by a man with a limp that claimed to be an art dealer, and the guy was asking a lot of questions like a month ago. Um, Lilu disrobes in front of the two priests and of course it freaks them out when she's changing into the clothes they both turn around very embarrassed um a piece of trivia about that limp that they talk about um gary oldman he the limp switches from his right leg to his left leg and back like throughout the movie like four or five times <laughs> he's limping on the wrong leg um so it's pretty funny um we are now back at the zorg factory and the mangalore assault team that that crashed the ship is there 
with the box uh, that carries the stones. Um, that was what Zorg was looking for. We'll learn later why he needs this. Um, it's here we learn that the Mangalore can shapeshift because the leader is, he looks human. He has the Mangalore, you know, outfit on, but he looks human. And he sort of shakes his head like a dog <laughs> and turns back into a Mangalore. So they've got that ability to shapeshift. So do you um, think this is also canonized from Ghostbusters into the future? Because those kind of look like the dogs from Ghostbusters too. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. I think I just think there's a lot of friendly stealing in Hollywood when it comes to shit like that. You know, I don't know if it's like ribbing um, or if it's intentional or what, but I am forever you know. in my mind this is going to be a prequel to Idiocracy. I get it. I totally get it. I mean Tiny Lister is Tiny Lister is the acceptable step to become you know, to Herbert right. Green, Elizondo Mountain Dew Camacho. Because he he's definitely smarter. He's he's dumb, but he's definitely way smarter than Camacho. So Yeah, it could be. I mean, I guarantee you there's a subreddit about this very thing, Joe, if you search for it. Oh, I think you're on to something. Do I need here. to go down a rabbit hole? Not not right now, please, Joe. But yes, you do. And I need a, I need a full report. I need an absolutely full report. So it's at this point that Zorg goes into full sales mode um, because as part of this deal for the box with the stones, he has offered four crates of the absolutely fantastic ZF-1 assault rifle. This thing is like the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and it, it, it's so like famous that um who's the mythbusters dude that built it on oh adam savage yeah adam savage built his very own not working model but he built his very own to spec zf1 and it's absolutely gorgeous um you know just to touch on the the selling points of this thing it's undetectable by x-ray it's you can strip it down into four separate pieces that it's unnoticeable it's got a titanium recharger whatever the fuck that is Got a 3,000-round clip with three and 300-round bursts. It's got a replay button, which is my favorite. So the, wherever you put the first bullet, no matter where you aim the gun, all the other bullets go to that place. So you can shoot behind you after the first bullet, and you're going to hit that target every time. Um, it's got a rocket launcher. It's got a poison arrow launcher, a net launcher. <laughs> and and the, the cream, the cherry on top is the, as he calls it, the ice cube system. And it's basically just a freeze, you know, Mr. Freeze gun freezes the subject so um the mangalore they have mangalore boners over this gun they are loving this thing <laughs> they cannot wait um zorg opens the box to find that the stones are missing um i love this this quick cut it quick cuts to lilu like laughing hysterically <laughs> because she knows the stones aren't in the box um and then it goes back to Zorg, who asks for an explanation and then loses it on the fucking Mangalore. Um, then there's another quick cut to Lilu explaining that the Guardians gave the stones to someone they could trust. She's supposed to, Lilu is supposed to contact this person at a hotel. So Lilu searches, you know, the internet in, uh, for the hotel. And she finds that is the, that is the earlier referenced uh, commercial on TV uh, for Flaston Paradise the planet Flaston in the angel constellation. Um, that's where the stones are. And, you know, uh, Father Vito, he sort of breathes a sigh of relief because, like, he mutters, you know, we're saved. He thinks, you know, everything's going to be fine. Um, we jump back to Zorg, who tells the Mangalore that, you know, he doesn't have the stones, so he's screwed, so they're screwed, right? Um, <laughs> their reply to him is you asked for a box, we brought you a box. <laughs> In their eyes, this deal's been met, 
right? He fucking loses it, and um, he tells him he's going to withhold all of them, but they sort of pull their guns on him, and he says, all right, we're going to give you one crate worth because you gave, you gave me the box. Um, we then see he... We see Zorg and his assistant, whose name is Right Arm, <laughs> who's play. What's the dude's name? He was in Snatch. He's a, he's a musician. I got to look it up now. I've, I can't believe I don't have it in my fucking notes. Um, Let's see if I can find it. It's a single. It's a, he's got a single name. I can't remember the goddamn name. Tricky. His name is Tricky. He was in Snatch. So the last two movies we've done have had Tricky in the in the title in the you know in the cast. It's tricky. Um, tricky. Yes. Tricky. Exactly. Tricky. So he's a go. British rapper, and so yeah, he he he's uh, he's Zorg's uh, you know right arm. Um, so they leave the room, um, and <laughs> yeah, they leave the room, and the Mangalore just start going nuts. You know, they're not the brightest bulbs in the pack. They start going nuts with these guns. They start <laughs> one's fucking hitting one with the net launcher, and then the other one's shooting the other guy and you know um zorg goes into a little little dialogue with with right arm talking about how you know he loves cold-blooded killers um you know because they're focused because he had a question from one of the mangalore what does the red button do and he didn't tell him so we see the mangalore looking at it like curious you know like like a monkey almost like he doesn't know what it is he presses the red button and you know zorg is outside in the hallway with his with his assistant and this huge explosion happens. Um, so they blew themselves up because, and, and Zork predicted this. He knew what happened because he knows they're dumb. Um, cool thing, that's a scene almost lifted frame for frame uh, from that movie, The Professional, that I mentioned, Luke Besson's first big movie. Um, and Gary Oldman's in that movie as well. They're very good friends in real life. So, so Oldman actually took the role of Zorg without even like reading the script. I wonder just, if like you know, the notes on the pages just watch a bunch of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I know exactly. Like that's he a, said he modeled. I'm trying to remember now. He said he modeled it after Bugs Bunny and somebody else, and not a villain. And I can't remember who. Damn it, it's in the trivia somewhere. But um, yeah, so it looks like um, what would happen if they fucked up putting in Face Off, putting Nicolas Cage and John Travolta back together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so after the explosion, Zorg tells Right Arm to bring the priest to him because he knows the, the priest is the key to finding the stones. Um, so we're back at the Vito's apartment. He and David are, you know, hatching their plan uh, to get to Floston Paradise and get those stones. Um, Zorg's team and, you know, Right Arm and, and his big gigantic bodybuilder goons um, – and they, they it's funny, they went to a, Luke Besson went to a bodybuilder convention because the previous scene in the warehouse, the guys, the, the his henchmen that are surrounding these crates, they're all like they're not just muscle guys, they're bodybuilder guys. They're fucking huge. All of them. There's like fifteen of them in there. It's like there must have been a convention and they just got them all for the day. Um they go to uh to the apartment now. They are there, they knock on the door and they are there to collect uh Father Vito. So Joe, roll that clip. Zorg. Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. It's nice to see you again, Father. Ah, I remember you now. The so-called art dealer. I'm glad you got your memory back. Because you're going to need it. 
Where are the stones? I don't know. And even if I did know, I wouldn't tell somebody like you. What? What's wrong with me? I tried to save life. But you only seem to want to destroy it. Oh, Father. You're so wrong. which you shall nobly serve, comes from destruction, disorder, and chaos. Now take this empty glass. Here it is, peaceful, serene, boring. But if it is destroyed... Look at all these little things. So busy now. Notice how this one is useful. What a lovely ballet ensues, so full of form and color. Now. Think about all those people that created them. Technicians, engineers, hundreds of people who will be able to feed their children tonight so those children can grow up big and strong and have little teeny-wing children of their own and so on and so forth. Thus adding to the great chain of life. Water, fruit. You see, Father, by creating a little destruction, a cherry, I'm in fact encouraging life. In reality, you and I are in the same business. Cheers. You alive, Doug? Oh, sorry. <laughs> heard, it's funny. I heard that echo that's happening throughout the episode. I thought I was part of the clip. I apologize. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So... I labeled this when I sent the notes, the drop notes to Joe and Eric. I labeled this as Zorg's Thanos speech because it's sort of similar to yeah. Thanos' whole philosophy on, um, on, on you know, getting rid of half the population so they'll have can thrive. Um, the funny thing is I read in, in some of the trivia that this speech is based on a 1850-something French economic text by an by an economist. <laughs> hmm. So who knows? That might be where both, you know, the Russo brothers and, you know, Luke Besson got the ideas for these speeches from. I'm not sure. Um, so, all, yeah. All so I know you, is you know, a bunch we, of uh, Wally robots came out to clean their floor. Oh, it was hysterical. And none of them, none of them could do shit. Like, you could tell that they were so not practical. But again, they looked cool. And that's what Luke Besson was going for. I you like know. the one that was just spinning around in just a circle. Just spinning, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. It was like buffing the floor, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Um, so when that when that clip is done, you know, his Zorg's automatic drink machine pours some water and puts ice and a cherry in it. Uh, Zorg takes his swig because he's proud of what he just, you know, his speech, and he and he swallows the cherry. It gets lodged in his throat, so he's now choking. He can't breathe, and He's banging on the table and he's, you know, he's, he's asking Vito to, to help him. And Vito's like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, he starts, uh, he starts lecturing Zorg on, you know, how his power is actually limited based on this current situation he's in. Um, so at the last minute, he slaps him on the back, uh, spits the cherry out, hits his little elephant like little cute, adorable human eye creature. It is pretty cute. You know, for for an animatronic thing. Is that maybe um, is that a Henson? I I don't know. Yeah, I didn't look. I didn't look. But um, yeah. So you know, Zorg 
he he flat out he flat out says that he's sparing Vito's life because he saved him and he's going to let him go, which is kind of the dumbest fucking thing ever. Uh, yeah, just a, let the fuck die. I mean, it's really it's like villain one hundred and one. He just fucked up. Yeah. Um, but he he spares his life and he lets him go. And as he's leaving, you know, Vito just looks at him and you know, he, Villa finally he, he says, "You're a monster, Zorg." And Zorg's response is the best because he just looks at him and he goes, I know, but not in a menacing way. He's almost sheepish. He knows what he is. And he's almost offended by what he's become. Like, you know, he's like got a self-loathing thing going there based on the way he, he says, I know, you know, and he just knows. So it, that was interesting. Um, we now cut to the sphere. It seems to be sucking all the communication satellites in the galaxy up and sucking them into its sphere. Um, at this moment, we transport to the uh, Federated uh, group folks, you know, the, the, the office there, uh, where the president's talking to Monroe. Um, we, we see right arm. Uh, he's now, you know, he, he has to get the, the location of the stones by any means, as he's told by Zorg. So he employs a spy roach, similar to the one Joe killed in his room. <laughs> You thought I did Perfect. that. You thought I did that for a reason. That was the reason. Yeah, I thought you guys did were it, spying it, on me. Did it have the satellite dish on top, or are you being spied on, Joe? It did, and maybe, I look just like Robert Lister. James Smith. I think Robert James Smith is spying on you. I'm six That's foot five and muscular. Exactly. So, <laughs> folks, he's not. <laughs> Still bigger than you, all Joe. you motherfuckers. I love you, Joe. Um, it, so, hey, out of our podcast network, if you were getting in a fight, who would you want next to you? I understand that, but you're big enough to not have to exaggerate how big you are. That's the funny part. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, right arm is remote controlling a spy roach. That's <laughs> a satellite dish on its back. It's the funniest it's shit. So great. It's so it's up bad. on the table. And, of course, you know, happy coincidence. The president's got his shoe off because his foot edges. <laughs> He's got a stone in his shoe. So Monroe, Monroe lets the president know that the diva, all right, uh, Plava Laguna, is, has the stone. She's been given these stones. She's on Floss in Paradise to perform a charity uh, concert um, that evening. Uh, right arm hears all of this. Uh, so he's got the information he needs um, <laughs> because the president then squishes the, the roach and blows right arm's ears out. Yeah. Um, and the president just makes the comment, listen, I want, I want this discreet, no, you know. And Monroe, this, I have the perfect man for the job. And inside, we're all, as, as audience members, laughing because <laughs> there's nothing discreet about Corbin Dallas. Um, we get back, and there's a lot going on from this point forward. There's a lot going on in this whole movie. But there's a lot of rapid-fire shit that we're talking about here. So uh, we're back at Corbin's apartment. Um, I, I love this scene. He's eating lunch, right, from a, from a fly-up, not even a drive-up. It's a fly-up Chinese food cart that's parked at his window. So this dude, he sells his cool food shit. from window to window. It's like the coolest thing ever. I'm not going to lie. You know? This made me more jealous than anything else in this movie. I completely agree with you. <laughs> like, I completely, want this. Yep, completely agree with you. So he's, ch he's chatting. Uh, so Ty is the guy's name. He's the proprietor of this cart. Um he his name is Benny Chan. He's been in a he's been in the most movies of anybody in the history of movies. This guy, four hundred and something movies he's Good been Lord. in. Okay, and 
I know him from Lethal Weapon 4. He played Uncle Benny, <laughs> part of the triad. He ran part of the triad. Uh, so in, in Lethal Weapon 4, he's at the dentist, and, and Murtaugh and Riggs go in to interrogate him, and they juice him up on laughing gas. And then they all get high in the laughing gas. But that's Uncle Benny. So in any case, he ha- him and Corbin having a conversation, and, and, and Ty is trying to convince him that, you know, bad luck, it can't happen all the time. It doesn't rain every day, blah, blah, blah. Um, a message comes in, an urgent message comes in for, for Corbin, and Ty tells him, oh, just read it. And Corbin's like, no, you read it for me. You know, it's going to be bad news. And Ty's like, no. And he opens it up, and it says you're fired. <laughs> and if you pause it and you read that note, it, he worked for Zorg Corporation, <laughs> oh, which shit. was kind of – it was referenced in general back at the beginning when the assistant asked him about laying off people. The assistant suggested the cab drivers are the first best choice. Yeah. Um, so that was, in this case, he wasn't laid off. He was fired because of the accident and then losing points and wrecking the cab. But in any case, um, the phone rings and it's, and we meet Corbin's mom via the phone, the voice on the phone. Um, this woman is merciless. (laughs) She just gets on him about never calling her and how much of a disappointment he is. And it's awful. Um, you know, Ty, he flies away, you know, Corbin tells him, look, this is going to be a while. Go ahead. He goes, flies away. And it's just cool seeing a little thing sputter off, go to the next window. Um, so his mom's lacing into him. And then she also, then she says, how come you didn't tell me you won the contest, um, to Floss in paradise. You're going to take me. And you know, he doesn't even know he has no fucking clue. Cause he doesn't check his messages or anything. So, um, at that moment, he hears a knock at the door. He hangs up on his mom he opens the door and um it's monroe and a couple of his uh, team he's there to tell him he's told him he's he's been selected <laughs> for mission of the utmost importance what importance to save the world and corbin just laughs um while monroe is trying to convince him to do it the doorbell rings again and corbin looks and sees that it's lilu and i'm not sure the motivation so why he needs to hide them I guess he doesn't want her to meet them and get involved. But in any case, he tells Monroe and his team that they got to hide. He jams them in the fridge slash freezer. <laughs> so three of these gigantic bodies are crammed into this thing. And uh, he presses the button and, and the freezer goes down and then the shower is there. Um, he opens the door for Lilu and she, she's all smiles and she waves and she just goes, people I, because <laughs> that's, hello in her language and just the way she says it, it's fucking adorable um and then you know Vito jumps out with a gun and this is his fucking Obi-Wan moment he's got yes. the hood up and he is Obi-Wan Kenobi like to a fucking T okay because honestly if they had gotten Ian Holm to play Obi-Wan there would have been no difference yeah than Alec Guinness okay it would have worked <laughs> just as well maybe right? better yeah so it, it, it was so cool to see that. I'm like, this fucking Obi-Wan. So he, Vito jumps and, you know, he aims a gun at, at, at Corbin and they come into the apartment. And, um, you know, it, he, Vito's there to basically steal the tickets for the Flotsam trip so that he can go with um, Lilu to Flotsam Paradise to get the stones. He still doesn't want Corbin involved. Um so in this scene, it's really cool. He calls, so Vito calls him Mr. Willis. 
right, instead of Mr. Dallas. And Bruce Willis looks at him and goes, it's Dallas. And they hmm. kept that in the movie. That's funny. So that's another, bro, that's another break character scene. He, he flat out calls him Mr. Willis. Um, and they just both rolled with it and just went on. And it was in the, it was in the scene, and it was fucking great. Um, you know, he explains that he needs the tickets, but Corbin doesn't want to give it to him. Um, at that moment, the police show up to perform a raid. They're in the hallway. So now Corbin's got to, he's not only already hid the military people, he's got to hide Lilu and Vito. And Stitch. Yeah, right, Lilu and Stitch. <laughs> so he throws Lilu in the shower, right? She disappears. He, he lays Vito down on his bed. The bed goes underneath. And so during the police raid, you know, there's a couple of funny lines. Hold on real quick, he, though. Yeah. I don't know if I want my fridge under my shower. Oh, no, it's gross. The whole thing is fucking gross. Like, and, if it was the other round of the showers underneath the fridge, I'd be fine with that. But I don't want the fridge yeah. under the shower. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, it doesn't make sense in a practical way either because it, it goes it either goes down into the apartment below or up to the apartment above. So it, it, it really can't work in reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but more importantly, yeah. like, I don't want to waffle stomp and then have my fridge right under it. Oh no! Of course, no. It's gross. But these are low rent. I mean, you know, oh, you go back to our, you go back to our fucking coke crack guy in the beginning. This is low rent here. All right? You know what waffle stomp is, is, right, Doug? What do I know? What? What a waffle stomp is. A waffle stomp? Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> is there any reference or any connection to blue waffle? No. No, 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 I no. don't know, and you know what? I don't want to know. I'll look it up. <laughs> I'll open dictionary that shit later, okay? I also don't want my bed shrink-wrapped every no, day. No, exactly. Like, exactly. That seems it's weird. so weird. It's so weird. So the police are looking for Corbin. And so he puts his hands on the yellow circles, um, as he's told. You know, and, and the cop through the door through the intercom asked him are you classified as a human <laughs> and his response is so dumb but it's funny he goes negative i am a meat popsicle and apparently that was good enough for the cop because <laughs> he sort of moves on and they think they've got corbin in the next apartment over and uh this is where we meet uh the smoke you guy who we'll see later um you know the police, they see a uh, Corbin's business card for the taxi cab stuffed in the door of another apartment. So they think they have the right apartment. So the cop asks, you know, can you identify yourself? And the guy jumps in the camera and he just goes, smoke you. And um, <laughs> Corbin just goes, wrong answer. Because, you know, the cops bust in and they, they bag this guy up and they get him out. Um, we, we learn right after that, the raid, the whole raid's been orchestrated by Zorg and, and right arm. Uh, to get Corbin out of the way um, because they're going to use his tickets to get to Floston Paradise, too. Um, shortly after that, the Mangalore ambushed the police to rescue who we find out is one of their guys. So Smoke You Guy is a Mangalore. He was shapeshifted. Um, so they basically, you know, kill the cops to get him back. Um, they, they, you know, they reveal their plan is to get to Floston and get the stones before Zorg, so then he's forced to negotiate with them because they love negotiating as much as they love fighting. Um, so Corbin, he, <laughs> he presses the button, and you know, Lilu drops out from the ceiling, and she's dripping wet because the shower went into auto wash. 
and you know she keeps saying it auto wash and she's shivering she's like you know frozen to the bone he's trying to warm her up and they have yet another moment uh where he falls more in love with her as he dries her off um they hear someone gasping for air and yeah Vito is he's he's shrink wrapped in the bed can't breathe um Corbin rescues him gets him out of there um and as repayment for Corbin rescuing him Vito grabs one of the trophies from the from the shelf and whacks Corbin over the head and knocks him out. Um, he grabs the tickets and he and Lilo scram. Um, Corbin wakes up and um, he presses the button to get the freezer open and we've got three military popsicles. Um, you would assume they're dead at this point, but they're not. Uh, but Corbin just mentions, all right, I'll take the mission. Um, we are now at the spaceport. Um, the ship to Flotsam, Flotsam Paradise is about to leave. Uh, we see David, Vito, and Lilu are at the spaceport. And now we just like to roll a clip, Joe. I'm going. Last call for Flotsam Paradise. Hurry up. Uh, the ticket. ID, please. Sorry, uh, Vic. Here or Thank you. Mr. Dallas? Uh, yeah. Congratulations on winning the contest. <laughs> right, okay. Sorry for the mess. The mess? Garbage. All right. Ah, it's Hamas. Woo! Baby! I was so afraid I wasn't going to make this flight, so I said, uh, David here. Yeah. To come and pick up my boarding pass. But now David has to go. Thank you. Bye. I am Corbin Dallas. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Yeah. Multipass. Uh, Multipass. You know this Multipass. Lilu Dallas, my wife. We're newlyweds. Just met. You know how it is. Bump into each other. Sparks happen. Yeah, she knows it's a Multipass. Yeah, anyway, we're in love. She knows it's a multi-pass. Exactly. Multi-pass. And I, I, I had that clip in there as much for the fact that, like, Erica and I use that multi-pass line, like, all the time. Like, both of us. Whenever we hear the word multi, we both look at each other and go, multi-pass. <laughs> and we just, because Erica likes this movie, too. She digs this movie. And it, it's, that's, like, not the norm for her. She's not, you, she likes science fiction, but this one she really, really likes. So, um, so that's why I ran that clip. Um. So, yeah, so, so Corbin and, and Lilu are now boarding, you know, the flight. Um, and now we see, at, also at the spaceport, we see the Smoke You guy. <laughs> he shows up with his girlfriend, quotes, girlfriend. Um, you know, we know at this point they are both shape-shifted Mangalore. Um, David runs back to Vito, who's sitting at the bar, uh, to tell him the bad news that, you know, Corbin showed up and he didn't get on the plane. Um, Vito's panicked. And he realizes that, you know, he put David in a position that he shouldn't have put him in. It's his, it's his job to take care of this. So he gives David the key to the temple and, you know, and to the doors and tells him to go to the temple and prepare for their arrival. So now Vito's got to figure out how to get on the flight as well. Um, the Smoke You guy and his girl go up to check in and try to pass for Corbin and Lilu, but that doesn't go well. They're immediately identified via scanner as Mangalore. Um, they realize this and they both basically run away. 
uh, so they don't get caught. Um, Corbin and Lilu board the flight, and he's immediately grabbed uh, to because they're bringing him to see the aforementioned Ruby Rod, um, who we're going to be introduced to in, in the flesh in just a minute. Lilu drops another multi-pass reference, which is fucking funny. Um, at this point, really quickly, in the spaceport, the smoke you couple go to plan B, as they call it, and just start shooting up the place. They start shooting the cops and everybody else. Um, Vito uses this chaos as a, as a distraction to get past security so he can figure out how to get on the ship. Um, so we are now uh, where Corbin is meeting ruby rod for the first time and this is a little long but it's worth it because this is golden chris tucker so roll that clip joe Middle name. So tell me, my man. You never seen the third? Not really. Freeze those knees, my knees. The probe's in the place and he's on the case. Yesterday's frog will be tomorrow's friend of Lockdown Paradise. A hotel of a thousand and one follies, lollies, and little mollies. A magic fountain floor with non-stop wine, women, and all night long. There's so much going on in that clip. Um, Chris it Tucker was amazing. You know, I'm stealing this from from the Honest Trailers uh, clip YouTube from that Joe showed me of this. You know, he's an actual dickhead because his hair is shaped like a big <laughs> dick growing out of his forehead. Yeah, it's hysterical to look at. So, I mean, that's that's just priceless. You know, some of that was ad lib, most of it was scripted, but he still had to do it. He had to learn that routine and lay it out there, and. 
a couple of different things. When he gets to the all night long part, if you look in the background, Bruce Willis is breaking so bad. He's trying not to fucking lap his ass off, but he's so enthralled because he hadn't seen this either. He's so enthralled by this fucking performance that he just sees Chris Tucker doing that all night long thing and he almost loses it on camera. Um, and they left it in there because, again, it still, it lended, it, it, all of this lends itself to the aesthetic that Luke Besson wanted for this movie. You know, to be whimsical, to be a cool science fiction movie, but be whimsical and light and fun. Um, and then his fucking Chris Tucker's Joker moves when he's when he sidles up to the to the flight attendant. <laughs> they are on point, man, because just so you know, like people, he's 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 dressed in a leotard like the Joker. But it's like I think it's leopard spots. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But but he's, he just slides up like the Joker with the big staff that he's got. And See, for, just, for me, that, that moment was uh, Jim Carrey as the Riddler. If that's you what I meant, the Riddler. Yeah. I keep saying yeah, Joker, yeah, yeah. damn it, but I meant the Riddler, his Riddler moves. Thank you. Oh, my God. So, without calling me a dick. Yes. No, I would never. I would never. I know that. <laughs> I know. I'm teasing you. The Riddler moves. He looked like the Riddler, and he nailed it. It was just the whole thing. It's, I get goosebumps thinking about it because that's talent. It's a thing. They, they were considering Michael Jackson for this role. Oh, that would have been so fucking bad. Michael Jackson or Prince? Prince would have been role. the one that would have fit perfectly. Prince might have been able to pull it off, but you know, what, it's, this is Chris Tucker doing a Prince impersonation. No, I, I no Prince isn't that crazy. He's not anywhere near that crazy, or he's not really anything now. But um, see, I <laughs> see Prince. My my thing is because I'm the opposite of Joe. We've had this discussion on other podcasts and other episodes that. While Joe can separate the person from the music, I cannot. If you're a dick, I don't care how good your music is, I fucking hate you. And Prince was supposed to be a gigantic dick in real life. Oh, like, yeah. He was totally. an arrogant, pompous fuckface. So fuck him and his music. But I know why it's wouldn't stupid I like that? You know, when he, know beat, when he fucking beat, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle in basketball and then fucking made him pancakes. No, I understand that. But I, I just, you know... I, I'm not saying I'm right for believing like this. It's just, but I can't separate the person from the music. So if you're an asshole, I pretty much got no use for you. But any, in any case, I love Chris Tucker. That thing is amazing. So, so during that clip and when you watch the movie, you can see that Ruby is pissed off at Corbin because, you know, he's doing a radio show and Corbin has zero personality, like on purpose. He wants nothing to do with this shit. He's focused on the mission. So after that clip ends, Ruby confronts Corbin about his lackluster performance and Corbin sets him straight by <laughs> choking him off his feet in a corner, telling him to back the fuck off. Just basically leave me alone. Okay. I'm not here to do this for you. Um, it's at that point we cut back to the spaceport and yet again, someone else in this case, right arm is trying to board the plane as Corbin Dallas. <laughs> that doesn't work. The flight attendant's like, she's having none of it. She closes the boarding gate cause they're done. Right? So, he, he skulks off because he's now he's realized he's got to go tell Zorg he didn't get on the plane. Um, we now cut back to the plane where the flight crew is putting the passengers to sleep in their little bunk areas uh, for the trip. I guess yeah. it just makes it easier. So they use knockout gas. So Corbin slides in with Lilu and she can now speak English. And I just love the little exchange. It's so fucking cute. You know, you can speak English now. Yeah, I learned. <laughs> I learned on the computer. Um, so now she's speaking English and it's, and it's cool. He lays out to her how important this mission is, like she doesn't know this, you know, and how he's going to protect her. And she basically just like shuts him down. She lets him know that she's the fifth element, 
like Joe Joe's earlier reference, direct like the eighth direct reference to the fifth element. Um, she's the the fifth element, the supreme being, and that she will protect him. Okay, and that sort of you know, he looks up because he wants to talk more, but the flight attendant hits the sleep button. <laughs> they both just collapse. Um, at this point, we cut to Ruby, who's now making it with the flight attendant that he met during his little performance there. Um, again. I don't know how he could have done what he was doing off camera with that hair like that because it would just get in the way. Um, <laughs> you never had, the hair you never was had, doing the work. You never well, had I, I was, that's the true. I was thinking that when we, when we talk about actual dickhead. You never um, went down and headbutted anyway. the buffalo, Doug? What's that? You headbutt the buffalo. Yes, that's very true. Um, so he was making it happen. I'm stealing all the lines um, today, Eric. Yeah. And <laughs> – so on that note, um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll let Ruby do his thing, and we'll get right back to you. Do you know anyone with a birthday? Get them some custom art at artofericpabone.com. Want to impress your significant other on your anniversary? Skip the wilted flowers in the dirty CVS teddy bear. Commission a custom family portrait at artofericpabone.com. Maybe you're just like me, and you like unique pieces of art, Celebrating your favorite films, comics, and pop culture. Head to artofericpabone.com and shop till you drop. And don't forget, MOTCU listeners get special discounted pricing on all custom art. Don't pay some cookie-cutter bullshit from Hobby Lobby. I'm pretty sure child labor was involved in that painting of a cow you just had to have. Be a hero and support local art at artofericpabone.com. 